welcome to the Grounded Families podcast with me, Julia Goodall, psychologist and coach. This is a podcast for all families navigating life, love and relationships. We delve into our stories and experiences of family and how these go on to shape and change who we are. I'm so happy to have you here. episode. This week I speak to the lovely Susie Dark. She is a visibility coach and mentor and a writer and we met through Sass Petherick on her self-belief coaching academy and we ended up having such a lovely kind of nurturing meandering chat after again a difficult week in the UK. Today is the 12th of March and I think we both started off feeling a bit tired and a bit flat and this conversation yeah was a lovely boost I think for both of us so I hope you enjoy it. Hi everyone welcome to this week's podcast my guest today is the wonderful Susie Dark you call yourself a visibility coach Susie is that right? Yeah that's right hi Julia thanks for having me along yes visibility coach because um, a lot of the women that I work with are women with um brilliant small businesses and the thing that they most struggle with is kind of showing up online um talking about themselves and their businesses you know doing all the visibility stuff that can feel really weird and icky so I try and help help with that yeah okay oh lovely and how have you kind of fallen into that can you give us a bit of background and how you've ended up here Sure. So um, for a very long time, I was a copywriter. Um, I still write a little bit of copy now. Um, And working in-house and doing some freelancing and things like that. And then around, I'd say around three years ago, I wanted to really set up on my own and just started doing the Instagram thing with no clue about what I was doing um, and found the visibility piece really, really difficult. Um, Showing my face almost impossible like I remember the first photograph I posted of my own hands and just feeling so exposed by all of it and I looked I looked in a lot of places for help with visibility like how to do it and much of the advice I um I found and that I followed as well I tried to follow was about like pushing through and just Mm. getting on with it and this narrative that you know if you care about your business and if you're kind of cut out for this and you should just be able to suck it up and I really tried because I'm quite good at, you know, being mean to myself. There's lots of bizarre and just kind of pushing on through. They didn't work at all. My brain kept mm. pinging me back to hiding again. So um, I just, I took like a slower path, like a slower, gentler path. And it it worked in in terms of moving me forward in a way that felt much, much better. And okay. it wasn't this like linear process. I kept getting distracted by um, the shiny promises, like this is the way to do it, you know, and this is going to be so much quicker and here's how to scale your business mm. in, in about 10 minutes flat. <laughs> and and then just kept coming back to what felt better for mm. me. And that's really like how my visibility coaching works now. It's about starting where you're at, okay. really looking at like safety, boundaries, the things that you want to keep safe because it's so important mm. and um, working from, yeah, working from that space of safety, okay. like where you are, what feels good to you, what feels comfortable. It's so funny that we make different assumptions for things online, whereas in real life, and I know that's a problematic thing to say, but in real life, 
we expect that things are not necessarily going to be linear and we expect that they will take time mm. and something about things being online and the immediacy of online of the online world also leads us down into that road of thinking oh this must be fast and quick and effortless yeah. and and easy and here are and your four steps <laughs> yeah yeah but i mean that's the narrative we're sold isn't it i mean that's yeah. that's the kind of flashy dream that we we see mm. wow look this person's done it in in six months or in a year and yeah. look now they're going to sell us exactly how they got there and all mm. we have to do is follow this thing and it's going to happen okay. and that kind of magic bullet narrative mm. is really seductive really mm. seductive particularly when you know when you're working on your own like in your own little like home office or wherever you are in a little bubble and the people like that you love that are around you have no idea what it is that you do yes <laughs> and um you know we're not even you know nobody's face to face definitely not in the last 12 months we've all been kind of behind our computer screen mm. and you know it's it's this kind of it's, it's seductive the mm. idea that it can be super quick mm. and it just all I have to do is follow this magic formula, you Oof. know, and, and also it can work for people. Mm. You see it working for some people, but not all people, like we're not all the same, you know? Yeah. And also there's always a backstory to that. There's always, yes. you know, that the journey hasn't started at bullet point one, that that yeah. started in their life and their experiences and yeah. previous work. And, and so it feels like leaving that out is also dishonest. Uh, absolutely you know. yeah, yeah. Um, and also we've all got different um like you say we've got different backgrounds but we've got different capacities yeah you know there are those of us with young families those of us who are caring for older relatives those of us who are, haven't got um constant health you know we've got hormones to add to the balance we've got like mental health emotional health all this all this other stuff mm. P- people who have other jobs on the side you know we're not we don't all have this clear plate Mm. And this expansive time and, you know, to be able to do all of the things all the time, it's going to look different for each of us. Mm. I mm. love that also. And I followed you for ages on Instagram and my personal account. And and strangely, because I, I hadn't worked online and... Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't in the world in which you kind of cater to, and yet there is something so gentle and so warm and so welcoming about you. And so you were one of my gentle, warm, welcoming followings. Oh, you know, of like you. someone that I checked in with and writing things. And um, yeah, I think that really comes across in in your account and in the way that you interact with people. So it obviously has worked the meandering journey. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you very much. Um, Susie, can you tell us a bit about, I didn't realize, but it seems you were in academia before that as well. Mm, so before yeah. you went into copywriting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Could you tell us a bit about that? Oh, I've had such a wibbly journey. You know, I've had one of those kind of lives where I've never really known what I wanted to do. Um, so after uni, I, I ended up in some, in, a, in an okay job. And then I met my partner who's now my husband we went traveling for a while okay and came back and I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and the and the 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 last thing I'd done that I'd enjoyed was studying so I went back to uni did a master's did a PhD in Italian Renaissance studies so (laughs) yeah it was really yeah it was really beautiful we, we spent a year in Florence in the archives oh my goodness um I've just researched you know like diaries and letters and inventories and I, I worked on um funnily enough on invisible women and oh. basically tried to piece together information about how women lived day to day um 
because they're not written about you know and they didn't and they couldn't write most women couldn't write back then so um it's all anecdotal and looking at like their possessions it was all about material culture the things that women owned and passed passed between one another and what it showed about the way that they lived um so interesting yeah it was great i i absolutely loved it and then um i just i really wanted to start family Mm. and i couldn't see around me any women who were having having a great experience of balancing academia with family life Mm. there were women who had children not very many but there were women who had children in my um immediate circle but they weren't seeing those children so they were spending very very long hours working Mm. and um maybe seeing their kids at the weekend but they weren't there in the capacity that I wanted to be there yeah um and a lot of the the women that I looked up to, my mentor, my supervisors, had chosen not to have children in order to pursue this kind of yeah. academic career. And for me, it felt like there was this real binary choice. Now, I don't know if that's the truth. I think it was definitely the truth within my field, okay. within like Italian Renaissance studies, certain kind of people, the fact that you had to travel a lot and do research trips and spend uh. months in the archives and that kind of thing. Um, and perhaps things have changed now, but back then, mm. um, so we're talking like 12 years ago now, I felt like I had the cho- I had to make a choice between the two mm. and it was so hard to make the choice. I really wanted to be a mum and I really wanted to be an academic and, um, I just went back and forth between the two, back and forth, back and forth. And, um, it drove me crazy for about a year. Oh I couldn't. Gosh. I couldn't make my mind up, mm. and it really felt like I had to. I had to choose. Academia is like is the is this process whereby you haven't got lots of time to make that decision because your research goes out of date so quickly. Okay. So it's not like you can have three years off and then just come back to it. Mm. I felt like I really had to make a quick decision, and um, I read. I was reading at the time. I was reading um, Sylvia Plath the bell jar and there was a, a passage in the book um where the main character can't make a, a decision about what she wants to do with her future and she imagines this fig tree that she's sitting underneath and all of the, her beautiful options are all different fruits on this tree like um she could be she could have this amazing lover she could be I can't remember what the, all the things are. She could have a career as a writer. She could do all of this thing. And she's sitting under the tree, starving, hungry, and she can't decide which one to pick. Mm. But over time, they start to, like, these figs start to wither and just fall off the tree. And she's just starving and she's left everything too late. And that's how I felt. Yeah. I felt like I'm just going to, you know. The figs the bio- are withering away. Yeah, yeah, the biological clock, you know. I was like... Early in my early thirties, people, you must get on with it now. It's if you don't get on with it now, it's not going to happen. Also, the kind of thing about academia. Well, I'm in my thirties. I need to keep going. There are people younger than me. This kind of feeling, like mm. times against me. Um, so I just thought I'm just going to have to make a decision. So I made the decision to become an academic, and I applied for a, a position at a university, and I pinned everything on this thing, and didn't even get an interview. Okay. And it was literally like, okay, well, that's it. That's maybe my decision for me. I'm going okay. to go the other way. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't easy, and and it felt really, really sticky. You mm, know, I'm sure. 
Yeah. That there's no gray in between. It's just you do have this life or that life. Yeah. And there's no option to have both or to have some measure of of both. It didn't feel like that. And I don't and again, like I said, I'm not sure if that's the <clears throat> truth, but the people around me weren't helping me to see another yeah. possibility. The narrative was you need to make this choice. Mm. So you know, it was my truth back then. And no, I mean I really relate to that. I think there's quite um like a academia is quite brutal in many ways is that um oh my goodness I, yeah I remember going back to university because I, I did undergrad and then I knew I was too young to carry on in, in South Africa that they, they won't allow you to carry on with psychology if you're too young mm. and so I took a break and actually came to the UK for five years and then went back to finish um and going back into that academic world is absolutely what you describe is that you if it's really competitive and if you want to be in yeah. that world you have to make all sorts of sacrifices and and no yeah. one feels sorry for you <laughs> it yeah. feels like real badge of honor stuff like yeah these are your sacrifices this is what you've given up um yeah. and like you say there's no models of women I think maybe more increasingly but there are hardly any models of women doing that in a mm. way that feels kind in a way that feels like it makes space for that it's like this is a you know a male-dominated um yeah academic yeah. world and if you don't fit into this children are just seen as extra kind of hassles absolutely i'd agree yeah. with you and i'd also like pick up on that thing of like the competitive the competitiveness mm. and the kind of the patriarchal model that's within academia felt really uncomfortable to me as well it almost it felt like not only did you have to give up a lot of um your kind of other hopes and other kind of things you had to give up a lot of um the things that you felt were right. Mm. Like there was a lot of standing on other people, okay. stepping all over other people to kind Gosh. of get to scramble and things that felt really uncomfortable to me, mm. you know, not a lot of um, holding one another up, you know? Yeah. 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 I had a friend um, who I studied with an undergrad and she went on to do philosophy and um, she stayed in academia, but she, the kind of alma mater that we were at, she moved away from, I think, for this very reason. It just felt mm. too much and there was no space to go on to have children, which she did do. Mm. Um, and she found that, yeah, that stickiness of um, that situation eventually, like, really uprooted herself and went somewhere else with no support system and kind of really starting again, thinking at least if I reinvent myself, I can be this person with children yeah. to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that people know that that's the full package, not I'm not sort of who I am minus 30%. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think, why I see, we see so many women starting their own business yes. so that they can show up mm. as the as the whole person that they want to be mm. rather than apologizing for you know, big, beautiful parts of their life that don't conveniently fit within the nine to five. Yeah. You know? Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. It's funny, I was talking to somebody yesterday about exactly this in a different context of, mm. um, yeah, of how we raise children and how we... Um, and how we do this in a different way, in a kinder way, in a way that actually centers children as human beings, not just mm. pets, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awful, like how in, in many ways we just have to sort of shuffle them along and we're not allowed to have space to to rear them in the way that feels comfortable. Mm. And that was the conversation around when I went back to work. I felt, well, in South Africa we have really short maternity leave. It's four months. And so that felt, it felt like this preemptive anxiety that I had even before I gave birth because I thought, oh, it's 
it's too short. I won't be able to do this. And yeah. it kind of spirals into you get to do this or you get to do that. Yeah. And, and there's so much kind of um, accumulated loss, I think, with women. It's like, oh, what about all that experience? And what about all those years of training? And um, that just is gone because you can't find a way that works for everybody. Mm, that feels absolutely. tragic. Yeah, but also employers are missing out so on so yes. much of of how how we grow yeah with with parenthood mm. like how we absolutely yes, grow they... in so many capacities mm. like things that I can do now that I wouldn't have been able to do before mm. having kids because I, I've had to like things like decision making taking chances on things experimenting mm. getting things wrong you know I I credit lots of that to becoming a mother just because haven't been able to yes you had to yeah Um, so true that there's addition with it it's not always just a sub subtraction of time no absolutely yeah yeah that's so lovely Mm. oh my goodness there's so much like work around this still to be done and it feels like there's movement in this area Mm. um but I sometimes feel like almost grief for our generation of women and all the generations before yeah in the sense that yeah, imagine what it will be like to look back and think, oh, if only we'd had that sort of option or if only we'd been, um, there was space for that. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I have to say, like, coming back around to the visibility thing, I'm really grateful that we're around now, that I'm around now, mm. that there's this possibility of starting your own thing. Yes. And doing it, you know, through your own labour mm. and doing it as yourself. Like, we've got possibility now that I don't think we've had before mm. um, to set up a thing that, you know, that works around your family. Yeah. You know, and to do it in a way that feels good. And I don't, that that really wasn't possible before. Mm-mm. No. I know and my mum had done really well at school and she wanted to be a doctor and she was just not allowed to be. My, like my grandfather had said you could be a nurse or you can be a teacher those are your two options and yeah. I'm not like paying for you to do anything else basically yeah, yeah. And so she kind of railed against that for the rest of her life she yeah I think that's been an injury for her mm. um I also love so much that you did what you did at university and that um yeah that you went into something that you were interested in as opposed to just focusing on endpoints, and I think I mean that's also something I'm really grateful to my parents and that they encouraged us to do something that was open ended in undergraduate. Mm. So they said, like, do a BA, do something in which you read and you know find out about new things. Like, don't decide on the endpoint at the beginning because you know you might end up somewhere else or you might want to end up somewhere else. And I'm so grateful for that. Like, it was real, um, like rich play. A lot of it. Mm, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. What did you do yeah. in your undergrad? Well, I, I'll have to say I started off doing law. Oh, wow. So, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's such so, a shift. Absolutely. Okay. I had, um, I went to a, a small private all-girls school. Um, I was very much kind of groomed to go to university and do law. And honestly, from about the age of nine, I think I, I thought I was going to be a barrister Gosh. and I was going to have this kind of career and this is this was who I was going to be and then I got to uni and started studying law and hated it okay. absolutely hated it I just my brain didn't enjoy it <laughs> all of a sudden I wasn't very good at 
the thing I was studying. Mm. I had no idea what it meant to study law. I hate, and I just really hated it. Yeah. So I suffered for a few months and then um, and then changed. I switched over to languages and I, okay. I did French at A-level and then I really wanted to learn Italian. And I met this amazing, incredible woman who was the year ahead of me and she'd switched to French and Italian. And I was like, this just sounds amazing. So I, I sorted it all out and then went home to my mum and dad for a few months and then went back to do languages and and reinventing myself over that summer over that summer you know I got a job in a really in, in Vidal Sassoon hairdressers so I was working with these trendy people and I just <laughs> I was you know wore blue eyeshadow and was just like this kind of real trendy woman the the girl that came back was not the same girl that had been there the year before you oh, know I and I was that. doing languages and I was just and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I loved having my year abroad okay. and just studying literature and history and politics and just get an arts mm-hmm. and, and language and just that whole it's rounded gorgeousness of it. stuff, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, just heavenly, heavenly. Yeah. And um, I'm speaking to my, 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 particularly my son, who's only just turned nine, yeah. but, but he thinks deeply and, and worries about most things and he's he keeps he talks about his future because he doesn't know what he wants to do and he's like I don't know what to do and it's like you're nine it's like <laughs> <laughs> he worries about it and like, what am I going to study at university what if what if I don't want to go and what if this and what if that and and it's just I, I love our conversations because we just play with like what would feel really fun mm. and what you're most interested in you know and and we have this conversation, like, because it's so funny. Like, he loves animals, he loves nature. So it's like, well, you could just go and study that. And he's like, but what would I be? And it's like, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, yeah. Maybe because it's not have... invented yeah. yet. Maybe there's no name exactly. for it yet. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but what if you just got to go and, like, travel the world and just go and hang out and study study nature, like, the stuff that you already love doing, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have to oh, be this, this end point, you know? It's just playing with those dreams because because that's the thing isn't it committing to something there's got to be some love there and some joy there mm. I love that you're have, having yeah. yeah I love you having those conversations already because I feel like if you're not having them school's having them and like yes. you say that that word grooming is so mm. oh, yeah it's such a layered word for me and I think it is that's what happens with kids it's like yeah. from when they are tiny they're taught like these are the good things to be good at um mm. these are the softer subjects no one really cares it's a lot of you know like all of that is really insidious and from when they're really little mm. um and I love that you're playing with that in such a playful way yeah my um my son is seven and he's also always talking about what he's going to do and the jobs he's going to have yeah. he's like yeah. really proud about the yeah. jobs yeah. so he has like a series of them but also really into nature yeah. and so he said he'll be a nature researcher um whatever that means as well yes like but I'm so happy for him to just play (laughs) we had a really funny conversation because um my son was saying that he wants to be a naturist and I was explaining the difference between a naturist and naturalist and then my daughter got involved in saying that she wants to be a naturist and they were like playing at being naturist and then we're having lots of conversations around that I love that yeah it's so fun yeah he was, I mean, they're also talking about, well, he could go and work in Mars. 
um, like because yes. of all the Smiles Rover stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> too far. Please, just, please don't do that. <laughs> just be a nature researcher. I think that works or even a naturist, well. you know, just not on Mars. Yeah, yeah. Not on Mars. Yeah. So can I ask you, how did you end up in Cornwall? Have you lived there your whole life or did you move no. there? No, no. We, we moved here, oh, I should know this. I think about 13 years ago now. Okay. Um, I'm from Yorkshire. I'm from Leeds. Oh, wow. So okay. I grew up in Leeds. I went to university in London, um, traveled quite a bit, um, met my husband who was a massive, you know, traveler. We went, so we went to Central America and South America. Wow. We went to Canada. We went to, we drove around Spain in a van. Oh, we did wow. all of these kind of things. We kept coming back to London. Then we had um, our Florence year, which was, that's amazing. Which was really lovely, really beautiful, mm. um, um, academically amazing as well. And also we were quite quite bored in Florence as well okay. because it sounds terrible, doesn't it? But um, I think where we were, it was very much like living in a goldfish bowl mm. and it's a very, very touristy, beautiful city, but full of tourists. Uh. Um and we just we wanted to get back to London. It felt like we need we wanted to get home. Well, we got home and we just couldn't be there anymore. So it was almost like, where are we going to be? Mm. Um, my husband's one of his best friends was working in Cornwall and offered him a job. So we just were like, well, why not? Let's just let's just try it. And then we and we've just been here ever since. So oh, so lovely. Yeah, it's an amazing place to live. It really is beautiful and amazing place to have kids here mm. as well. Um, and also, there were lots of things about London that I miss, mm, you know. I'm sure. So, I've, I'm, and I'm particularly this year, not being able to go back, see like my in-laws and have that kind of a bit of London time and, and mm. you know, go to events or anything like that. I, I have missed it a lot. Okay. Just, you know. There is the, something the, about London that's, yeah. yeah, just the magic of it. Oh, yeah. 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 But because it's a small country and at least you can have both in that sense that you're not so far yeah. away. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for now, it's it's brilliant. I don't know if it's going to be forever. Okay. But, you know, we'll see. It's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, see what happens. Mm. Oh, yay. Um, yeah. And I wondered whether that was part of the decision, like child-rearing wise, or were you already there when you had kids? No, we were already here. Okay. So, yeah, we were already here and we don't, like family my family moved to Cornwall but then they're, they're over an hour away okay um and we haven't seen them at all really this year because mm. they're older my mum's like in the vulnerable category okay. um and my husband's parents are London London area mm. so yeah we we are kind of just this kind of self-sufficient little family um and most of the friends I've made down here as well are in a similar position mm. like without siblings or parents to help with childcare so it's that that is I think the situation that lots of people find themselves in at mm. the moment yeah um and it's hard it's and really it's hard. yeah and mm. it's unnatural isn't it and it's and it's yeah. and this year has been super claustrophobic just mm. not even being able to like you know have those play dates and things like that you know the last mm. few months particularly um yeah so that has been difficult but I think it's the just the nature of the way that my husband and I have chosen to live like traveling and going to places that we want to be rather than where we 
where we were kind of planted on the earth. Okay. Um, I just think it's circumstance. but And also I see it so often like in my friendship groups as well. There are lots of people around me who weren't born here, who, okay. you know, have come here, chosen to be here. Mm. But in that choice have kind of let go of some of the support that we might have had had we stayed where we'd, you know, where we'd yeah. been actually born on the earth yeah so, yeah well, no, i relate to that as well that the kind of longing to move around and experience different things mm. but there's like lust that accompanies that and yeah, yeah. there is there yeah. is and it and it feels like now like i'm so pleased that my my kids are you know are born in cornwall and that this is like their home that they can come back to and I don't know, because part of me, I've still got this kind of wanderlust. Like, I don't know where I'm going to end up. Mm. I, and I've, I'm already feeling this preemptive guilt that I might not be here when they want to come back. <laughs> you know, like, where am I going to be? Um, it's almost like I, I would love the roots. Mm. And also, I don't I don't want them at the same time. Does that make sense? I know, I know exactly what you mean. I think there's something so... Um, oh. I don't know, I'm so drawn to the idea of people who grow up in a particular place and they have that long sort of history yes. and legacy. Um, yeah. But also I feel like I don't know if I could stay put that long. And I, I mean, yeah. I haven't been able to at all. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just been all over yeah. the place. We yeah. haven't done it, have we? Yeah. That's the thing. But we all kind of like, yeah, longing for it and mm. almost like part, like envy like seeing you know school friends that are still living where where we were from and they still hang out together and they're going to the same places and their mm. kids are friends and just and it all sounds like this wonderful mm. story and it's like oh I wish I had a part of that and also I didn't choose that and there's and there this, are reasons why I didn't choose that yeah you know? that it can feel stifling as well yes I like bizarrely experienced that in Cape Town is that so I grew up in on the east coast of South Africa mm. um, like the Durban side but a little bit inland in a tiny rural town and it was very much also one of those kind of legacy towns that there were mm. old families that had been there like oh, I don't know for generations and generations and there was that sense as well so I'd, I think I've maybe romanticized it like from as early as that yeah but then um so we came to the UK and then we went back again to, so I could finish studying and we lived in Cape Town where my husband grew up mm. but um is kind of known for being really insular. Um, and so although there's like like populations that move in and out of Cape Town, there's also this real like stronghold of Cape Town that is really, really difficult to kind of break into. Mm. Um, and I found that that helped me to let go of that dream a little bit around, oh, I don't actually think this is what I want. I don't think yeah. I want to be, you know, someone who's stayed forever like mm. you know and what are the things that we miss out on and we have this one life yes. and I want to see all the things and and show my kids the things mm. <laughs> and move them around in ways that wouldn't be possible with that um a deep deep rooting mm. yeah but, but you know it does you know it brings up it brings up issues doesn't it and I saw you wrote beautifully about friendship uh, and and yeah. you know making friendship later in life mm. you know and Ugh. all of that those experiences of like being the new person Ugh, like, yeah. so we moved we moved to the village we're in now um it's coming up for three years ago now okay and being the new being the new person takes mm. you straight back to Ugh. being a kid <laughs> in the playground again all those feelings like mm. oh everybody knows each other and 
you know, they've all got their friends and, you know, being on the outside and all of that. It's like a really long interview. (laughs) It is. It is. (laughs) And it takes longer as adults because we can't just like go and play next to each other in the sandpit, you know? And we're not (laughs) and we're not stuck in a classroom for six hours just like staring, you know, sitting next to each other and getting used to each other. It's like you have like these ten minute snatches. Yeah. To kind of, you know, and as an introvert, it's like Oh, I know. (laughs) It's hard. And you know, I, I, yeah I found it really difficult and people were amazing and really mm. welcoming and all of that but still it's really it's a real really like hard. icky feeling yeah, oh. yeah I remember like when my son first came to went to school so we when we moved back here my husband got a job in Guildford and so we'd lived there and then we moved a little bit further out before Harrison started school and but we hadn't really known anyone in the village mm. at all because no one was at school yet. And that felt like the only way to meet people. Yeah. Anyway, so when he started school was also felt like some sort of coming out in the village. It was like, oh, I found it. I don't know which was worse. Like yeah. starting school or sort of presenting yourself at the school gate. Yeah. It felt like there's a sign on my back saying, yeah. Um, I'm searching for friends. <laughs> yeah, it's and, and it's, it's it's super oh, hard, isn't it? So all hard. of those things and all of the things that our, our kids kind of go through as well. And mm. yes, there, there are different like mechanisms in place, and like yeah, like they can sit next to each other and play silently in the sandpit, <laughs> like side by side. Mm. But and also, it's really helpful, isn't it, to be able to empathise with our to yes. our, with our kids with what they're going through and those yeah. kind of wobbles about like going back to school as well, like just Mm. understanding like, okay, you're going to be seen again. Mm. You're going to be seen again. Oh my gosh. And like, like I will keep coming back to visibility with all this stuff, but like the Zoom calls over the home Mm. learning period. Oh my goodness. Excruciating. Yeah. One of my children in particular had a real, real problem with being seen on camera by everybody, like Mm. feeling like, 30 eyes looking at her you know mm. even though they weren't they were looking at the teacher but just that's, that's the that's feeling of what's it. presented yes. on that zoom call you know yeah. the one like, big face yes yeah yeah how um, old are they my daughter is um seven and a half and my son's nine okay gosh yeah. so that's difficult as well like seven you're just becoming a little bit more self-aware mm. and and then to have that layer that they've yes. never had before it's not like a telephone that they've had some entry into yeah. and then suddenly just having your face oh yeah. no yeah my youngest found it really difficult as well and she would just freeze Aww. um she's tiny she? she's only she's only four yeah. Um, and so, and I mean, in some ways it was easier because in the first lockdown, she'd watched Harrison have his calls. Yeah. And so she had some sort of familiarity, but when it was her, I could just see her rigid. Mm. Um, and then she learned near the end to just switch it off and yeah. I just let her, I thought, well, yeah. that's when you're done, you're done. Yeah. You're four, like you're not missing yeah. out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's but okay. It's this, yeah. It's all this kind of having to sit still and be presented mm. and, and be able to see yourself as well, like mm. watch yourself on camera see what's being seen as well like my daughter would yeah she'd switch her camera off and like just stand up and have a wiggle and you oh, know just, lovely. just have a dance around <laughs> all the things that she's because she was just supposed to sit there sit nicely and, okay. and oh, listen no. she's just really hard it's hard for a grown-up to do that yeah it's hard know? for me to do that I've literally yeah. got a sheepskin on the floor because I can't sit still <laughs> and I wiggle and make some noise for podcasts yeah so oh my goodness <laughs> uh, yeah these kids and the things they've had to go 
through and the things yes. that we haven't been prepared to help them with because yeah. we don't know how to do this either. And no. it's all brand new. All brand new. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen such a contrast though also in our kids is that Imogen is really introverted, really um, quite shy and slow to warm to people. Mm. And Harrison is really just needs people. And you can see mm. he would just be leaning into the computer. <laughs> <laughs> Give just me people. desperate like yeah. just absolutely desperate and mm-hmm. we saw near the end with him that he really started to flag like he just started to feel quite low and a bit flat and yes. just really he needs that interaction not necessarily school school but he no. needed the kids and yeah you know yeah yeah no this week's been um a good like it's the first week back at school this week and it's been really good for my kids definitely yeah, and just yeah just the, just that noise of all the you know that real that playground noise yeah. just beautiful <laughs> you know yeah it's just felt very quiet hasn't it for a long time it has yeah, yeah. quite eerie sort of walking mm. around and feeling like oh this uninhabited place yes it's quite strange yeah how has it worked like with you and your husband do you both obviously you've both been working from home over the past while how do you navigate all of that well the first lockdown um because of the nature of my husband's work he's a diver and there wasn't it it all just kind of stopped so um he actually did most of the parenting okay but home learning was pretty hellish so we would both do that together and then he would take over and they had they all had an amazing first lockdown my kids and my husband we've got a little boat it's nothing it's really it's a really shabby little little thing but it's it's fine and they were all just out on that all day my kids lived in their wetsuits like literally lived in their wetsuits for months and months they're just in the in the sea every day just just hanging out um and I worked and I was super busy so my experience of the first lockdown was um just working with not with no break really and my but being good because my kids were happy and everything was cool and then this lockdown has been really different okay um we yeah home learning last the first time was we didn't really make make much of it to be honest I didn't know how long it was going to last and um I thought I was doing the right thing by not not following the schedule and just doing the bare minimum Mm. actually the school returned for my kids particularly for my son was really really hard okay like getting back in catching up again okay a lot of anxiety around that so this time around it's like okay I'm gonna do it properly like really prepare him keep him going because I just knew it would help him and it has this week's been fine much easier okay yes but that's meant you know six hours a day I've been teaching my kids well not teaching but you know basically helping them through all of the stuff Mm. um two kids doing different things so yeah most most of the days have been teaching and then I've stuck a a film on for them (laughs) or stuck Uh, them in the garden for an hour yeah and done the bare minimum and done stuff at you know in the evenings and at the weekends and things like that so Um, it's been a, a kind of a mixed experience for us as a family, but good for them to see like all the different sides of it, you know, good for them to see what happens when they're at school. Cause I think oh, yes. the first lockdown, they, I don't know what they thought I did. But, <laughs> <you know. laughs> oh no. Uh, I 
and now they see yeah your work and it's actually quite a gift that your yeah. yeah kids get to see what you do hmm. I was always I hear them playing about meetings so they'll in their play we'll talk about I've got a meeting this is in my diary and obviously lots of diary chat oh I love it <laughs> I'm so old school with diaries and my husband despairs because he said like the first lockdown for us which is a shambles in so hmm. many ways and this time has actually felt easy in some ways hard than others but um yeah, I'm like an old school, like write my diary, <laughs> have it next to me. I like to be able to touch it and yeah, hold yeah. it. And he, yeah, for, in order for him to be able to help me more, I, I had to do this diary, this online diary, and it just ugh, it was such a pain. So they've obviously picked up on all of that going, is it in the diary? <laughs> but it is, is it in the <laughs> family <laughs> diary? <laughs> oh, God. I love it when you just hear like all your words and all yes. your, and things reflected back. You're like, oh, dear. <laughs> Sometimes. <Whoops>. Okay. <laughs> a bit mm. cringy at others. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Susie, so lovely to chat with you. Um, do you have anything kind of burning that you would like to share or talk about that we haven't covered? Um, I don't, I, I'm not sure really, Julia. I just think, I mean, this week's been quite a week, hasn't it? Um, mm. with everything going on and like, well, this year has been quite a year. <laughs> uh, this week off the back of this year has been yeah. particularly hard. Yeah. Mm. You know, so many feelings everywhere and, um, mm. just, yeah, I think it's going to take a lot, a lot of time for us to be able to like have some space to s- slow down enough to process it all. I feel like we're all just kind of just we're still going aren't we you know we're still still in it yeah and I think that's kind of an unhelpful thing is that we you know we talk about this landmark in the UK of kids going back Mm. to school and it feels like as if that was some magic that was going to happen that kids would go back to school we would feel okay we would slot back into the things we need to do and Mm. then when that doesn't happen inevitably that you just feel like oh no it's Am I, am I a failure in some way? Why am I feeling yeah. so tired? Yeah. And I think maybe we need to normalize that this process is beginning in terms of processing. Mm. This will be like a generation of people processing what's gone on here. Yeah. And we just need to slow down and say, okay, like take a month, do things slowly, eat good food, have long naps, read all the books. Um, mm. I feel like maybe we eat so... Um, harsh with each other around okay now we get back into it and catching up I find this yes. catching up story really um makes my eye twitch I just feel like if we haven't yeah. been on pause we've been alive <laughs> we've yeah, been yeah. doing stuff and we you can't catch up it also like it negates the thing we've been through exactly you know by saying yeah, we haven't been doing the thing we should have or we haven't yeah. learned the things and I think oh no <laughs> I've learned just about enough thank you <laughs> yeah exactly we've learned more than we could have you know and different things we could ever learn if yes we've just carried on you know but it, exactly. it feeds into doesn't it this this narrative that we almost we must almost be achieving more and and taking boxes mm. and meeting targets and all of that kind of stuff like for me mm. like not having the home learning five six hours a day Ugh. like it's been like wow I've got all this space and I know that my tendency completely conditioned by the way that you know we're all brought up and the and all the narratives around you know must do more my my tendency could be to just stuff that full of work now mm. all of that space mm. But actually, yes, the you know, the work needs to be done. I've got a business to run. But yeah. I think having to squish it into a really small amount of time has shown me how much 
how much time I can make for myself you know yes. like where can I clear some space to go yeah. for those walks and to have those conversations and to catch up with other humans and and do all the kind of stuff that that the machine doesn't want us to do mm. you know the bits that make us feel like oh we're not working hard enough it's like mm. hang on a minute you know yeah and that that stuff, stuff is stuff. essential as opposed to like an, a nice add-on yes so I kind of long for is like when we start to schedule that stuff in and mm. um, I work so much with clients around that of people going oh I don't have time to do this or I don't have time to do that and I feel like that it's a choice in the sense that when we're looking at it we make a choice but it's not a choice in the sense that that's like you say how we've been schooled and and how things work and so it's not about feeling guilty about it but just saying okay well this is actually something that we clearly actually need it's not Mm. a luxury and so how do we like shuffle things around how do we make this work and like you say then you actually get more work done in shorter hours and yeah, you, and also you're just you're a healthier human being, yes. you know, and, and which Seeing is super people. important. Yeah, you know, and especially like as mothers. I mean, and you know, I hate to kind of bring it back down to like this is what we should be modeling our kids because mm. also we just deserve all this stuff anyway. Even you know whatever, yes. but but and you know what do I want my kids to see? Mm. And I know in the first lockdown when I was really working all the hours because I was the only breadwinner and and they were all out having a great time. My son would be coming in saying, you're just working all the time, mummy. You, oh. You're going to get ill, you know? Did he say that? Yeah, he did wow. say that to me. Oh and I, I was like, well, you know, this is fine. This is the way it has to be. Da, 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 da. Mm. But, you know, I don't want him to then think, okay, this is this is how a good parent, good adult, good worker, this mm. is this is that. This is what this it is, looks like. Yeah, this is my future just sitting in you know so I think showing them that we can take that space and time is really important too and it's sometimes terrifying (laughs) like they just absorb everything like you say and you're doing your best and treading water a bit and then it's made an imprint like an unintended imprint yeah yeah um Harrison also said something recently about all his millions of jobs but he had worked out he said he's going to have jobs and then he's going to make his own company whatever that means as well because <laughs> he said he doesn't want to work like daddy because then you have to work really hard mm. so a bit of a like excuse me I'm also working hard but, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but also I really get his point is that he's he's read that like Tim's time is not his own in the same way mm. as mine is. Yeah. And he's worked that out. And I feel like it's, I felt relief when I heard him say yes. that, like, oh, thank goodness. You know, yeah. you can create something for yourself. That's one of the options. Yeah. And like we're, mm. we're, cha- we're all changing the culture, aren't we? Mm. Like right now we're changing the culture. And what's happened is, has massively changed that as well and given us a, a nudge to change things as well I just hope it stays I really I feel like making posters about it that's how I feel like desperate like we might not get this chance again yeah (laughs) please can we all be in on this so that yeah you know we don't go back into that way of being Mm. um and that uh, I was speaking actually with Sass about this a bit about what do we memorialize and mm. what will we choose to memorialize from this time and not romanticize, but memorialize. So what are the important things that we take away Yeah. Um, that we remember, that we try to kind of recreate or try to keep? And I feel mm. like that feels a bit desperate to me, actually, around this is our chance. Yes. <laughs> this has been really hard, but it's also our yeah. chance. And um 
please don't waste it. <laughs> yeah. Because you can't, yeah. it's not an individual decision. It's like everyone needs to decide to do it. Otherwise, mm. the system continues and we either then have to sit inside of it or outside of it. And that feels, um, again, that binary is so unhelpful. Yeah. It's, and it's really hard to, to push against. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. that's work in itself. Like even choosing to to, to do go something more slowly yeah. is it's hard work and, and tiring because mm. it's pushing against. Yes, yeah, the it's like narrative. using the spare energy just to keep the waves at bay, and you think, oh, yeah. that's not what I had in mind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I actually printed out that beautiful quote from your blog, and so I might read that off at the end okay. as yeah. an extra, if that's okay. Um, but. Yeah, that's sort of because I read that this morning and that kicked me off as well about around speaking to you around this idea of the bell jar. Mm. And I'm thinking about it again now. That book felt, um, it also felt haunting to me. And I read it at university and I was really young and I felt it even now. I feel like I feel it in my throat thinking about that mm. book. It was such a lot um, to process and so beautiful, but so raw. Yes. And um, my mum had been really ill at, when we were teenagers. And so I feel like I don't think I digested parts of it because it just felt too threatening, too close. Um, but I think, yeah, being a bit older and looking back on that, it's it's easier to look at in mm. some ways. But I love the idea of the bell jar. You know, obviously it's the it's claustrophobic and you are exposed in a sense that people see in and you see out, mm. but you're separated. But I also love the idea of a bell jar being um, like creating an atmosphere in which things can grow because there's heat mm. and there's like tiny atmosphere. And, yeah. and I love that this time has been a bit bell jarish in the sense mm. that we're in isolation, but also there's been such rich development and growth um, mm. in certain areas and yeah I feel like I really want to hold that complexity as long as possible I don't want yeah. it to disappear Julia. Yeah. yeah so I love yeah. that you'd written that I printed out straight away <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I love these words your beautiful words but Susie yeah thanks so much for joining me thanks so much for having me I love speaking to you I hope you enjoyed my chat with Susie I wanted to read a quote from the bell jar that she mentions in her blog post which we speak about in the beginning of the episode so um, it describes the character Esther Greenwood um, and she is faced with various options. She says, I saw myself sitting in the crutch of this fig tree starving to death just because I couldn't make up my mind which of the figs I would choose. I wanted each and every one of them, but choosing one meant losing all the rest. And as I sat there, unable to decide, the figs began to wrinkle and go black and one by one they plopped to the ground at my feet. This is such a beautiful quote and if you haven't ever read The Bell Jar, it's, it's pretty heavy going, <laughs> but it is really, really beautiful work. If you'd like to get in touch with Susie, you can find her on Instagram at Susie Dark or um, on her website susiedark.co.uk where you'll also find her blog and her coaching offerings. I will link in the show notes to her current offer. Um, so if you click through, you'll be able to see that. Um, I think her program starts, she was saying, in May. Um, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate, appreciate you being here. Have a good week. Bye.
Thank you so much for being here today. If you'd like to get in touch, I'm on Instagram at grounded underscore families. You can send me a DM or a voice note to my DMs or an email. I'd so love to hear from you. Please do like, share and subscribe this podcast. It really, really helps to get the podcast out in front of more listeners. And I'll see you again next week. Take care. Bye.